You're checking in to Key Learnings, your key to unlocking insights into the hospitality industry. From hotels and motels to suites and boutiques, hosted by Haima Black from Dynasty Podcasts. Your room is ready now. Haima Black, Dynasty Podcasts, and I am here at Boulevard in the West Loop neighborhood in Chicago. I'm here with Karen Harold of Studio K Creative. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Very good. We are talking about all this great work you have done as Studio K Creative, which is your agency, your creative house that you have built from the ground up. So I want to get into that, but let's get a little bit of background on you. How did hospitality and design work come to be for you? How did this start for you? It was kind of by coincidence. I uh, used to be a fashion designer. I studied fashion design in Amsterdam. I um, worked in that industry only for a very short while. I came to Chicago and um, started working for an architectural firm. And uh, and then I was hired by a company that I ended up being with for a very long time called 555 International. And uh, I kind of got a taste of it there. And then that kind of took off from that moment. What is it about hospitality and design that is inspiring to you? Why was that something that you wanted to pursue and make that your life's work? The most inspiring part for me is that every single place, every single client is different. So it never gets boring. I've never had one boring day at the office. I meet very different types of people. I learn about very different type of industries. And uh, it's always such a great moment when you create something and, and your client walks in. It's like, this is exactly what I had in mind. How did you do that? Well, and that's got to be, that's not an easy thing to take an idea that's in your head and or the client's head, and then suddenly turn that into reality. What kind of steps go into either you coming to them and saying, here's my vision for this, or them coming to you, they have an outline, they have a you know, blueprints, design, mock-up, whatever, and then turn that into the actual real concept, the real property that people are able to physically be in? Yeah, some processes are easier than others. A lot of time has to do with the clients and the relationship we have with them. It, uh, most of the time it starts off with us asking them a lot of questions, spending a lot of time with them, getting to know them. And then it's kind of my job to extract from them what it is that they're really looking for. Uh, I tend to say that the design comes through me, if not from me. So I really like to not push my designs on them, but trying to figure out what is best for each and every different client so that all projects look extremely different and it doesn't become the same copy over and over again. That's something I noticed from your website, from the Studio K Creative site, is that you look, and there are a number of properties on that site and they're all very visually impressive, but it's not the same look. And if I were to visit one of your properties here in Chicago and then something you had a hand in in, say, Las Vegas, I might not inherently off the bat know that it was your hand in both because it's not like there's a, there's a trademark staple look. Like each time, it seems like the only real constant is that it's of a high quality. Well, thank you, first yeah. of all. Um, well, I think one thing that might be of a constant, but it's not something you can photograph, but it's how you feel. Like our, all of our designs are driven by experiences. And so the design becomes a result of that. The visuals become a result of that, I should say. But the experience is what drives it. So the goal is that in each place you might be able to feel that we had something to do with it because it's every space is created to make you feel good in it. What prompted the decision, you know, kind of going back to the origin story, what prompted the decision to leave a larger agency and then launch your own production and, and design and, you know, 
concepting company? Well, I think one of the things is it comes with age. At some point, you reach a certain level in your career where you feel you want to do it by yourself and you just want to prove your own point. I've been really lucky that I had amazing mentors and teachers along the way. At some point, you feel like, now I've learned that and now I want to do it myself. And I was also lucky that I had a few very large corporate clients that gave me the financial ability to actually break off and be able to warranty a salary for myself and a few people that started the company with me. So it takes, I guess, the uh, the willpower to do it, but it also takes some financial freedom to be able to do it. From having the idea again in your head of, I want to launch my own company, what's that day one like? What's that week and month <laughs> and year one like? Because I think it's great when people can see the finished product and they can go, you know, oh my gosh, all the work looks really impressive and they see the end result. But when it was just you in the beginning and you just had this idea in your head, what was that like? How much trial and error was involved in, in building your own brand? So it started with, I told the company that I was working with uh, in January that I was going to break off in December. So I gave him a full year notice, which was, it was great from both sides because it made me be able to help them build a new team for that side. It made me be able to create and keep a relationship with my old employees, with my old um, partners. And uh, it also gave me the opportunity to kind of grow into it and do a lot of research before. We uh, started a company of January 1st, and that week was a snowstorm. And what I came to realize is the hardest time when you start a company is just before. For me, Christmas and New Year's before we actually opened our doors were the hardest because it was all in my head, but there's nothing I could do. There's no one to call. There's no one to work on. It's Christmas. People are enjoying their holidays. Uh, the moment, so there's a lot of anxiety around that. The moment we actually started, opened our doors and got to work, and that was a lot of buying IKEA products and <laughs> assembling them so that it could have a functioning office. Actually, the moment we actually rolled up our sleeves and got going, it became a lot easier than when it was still in my head and it was all about the ghosts of things that might go wrong. Well, especially, I'm sure, if you gave that notice a year in advance, the whole time you were probably just like, I can't wait to, like yep. you said, go by the table, go mm -hmm. get the internet turned on there, yep. just get, get going. everything going. Absolutely. I always say to people, like, a, a really big part of starting your own business is doing it. Not talking about it, doing it. Looking at the roster of clients and partners that are listed on the website, it's, it's really impressive. You know, names like Boca Restaurant Group, Sterling Bay, Chicago Cubs, those are just some of the Chicago names, but they're all very high profile, all very prestigious. You know, what goes into building relationships where it's like you're working with kind of the top of the industry? How do you get to that point? And, you know, are you selecting those projects that they come into you? How does that work? Well, it doesn't happen overnight. I think that's a really important thing for people to know. Uh, I've started this uh, more than 20 years ago. So there's a long runway, and like you were saying earlier, it's easy to see the results, but it's a very long time before you create a trust with these clients. So I think it's about trust. It's about um, keeping your word. A lot about the design industry isn't about design. The design portion is definitely a really important part, and it's what people see, but there's a lot around it that is as important. is your availability, your how quickly do you react to them, how do you fulfill your promises when it comes to budgets, timing. So I think over time you build a relationship with these clients and you make their life easier. 
And when you make their life easier, they will share that with their friends. And then you start to realize that a lot of people that are successful are friends with people that are successful. Well, I think what you just said is so valuable in that I think people have this idea that you have to be the best in the industry, and that's a part of it. But it's as much so just about meeting deadlines, being responsive, answering emails, Mm -hmm. you know being dependable and and that side of it all the kind of like boring side of it yeah that's what i feel like creates repeat business yes absolutely the design is at the end of just a small part let's talk about some of these concepts that you know stand out from the portfolio just a handful of them first let's talk about boulevard that's where we are here uh this is this restaurant uh kind of over in the fulton market west loop area of chicago and it's for anyone who hasn't been here gorgeous property it very much recalls like kind of the the idea of classic you know the golden age of hollywood so talk about your role in boulevard here in chicago which is a great restaurant yeah so kira and frank came to me uh, many years ago when they had bought this building and uh, were trying to develop it into this kind of club-like atmosphere for a restaurant and this is one of those clients who had a very strong idea and this very great concept so I can't take any credit for that part. They had a really great idea, and they helped me. They asked me to help them execute on that. Architecture was a complicated project because it was a tall space, two stories, needed to be a staircase in between, and this was a very involved client. They were along the way every day. Sometimes we had five meetings a week. They every single fabric, every stitching detail is done under and with their direction. And uh, I'm one of those designers that really enjoys that because I learned so from so much from it while they're doing that too. So it was a very collaborative effort, and uh, I think it's you can tell it when you're in the space. It's very solid. There's not one thing that wasn't thought through when this was created. What about Maple and Ash? That's another again very prestigious restaurant here in Chicago, over in the Gold Coast neighborhood. And again, there's it's not the same design work, but there is that same standard of quality. So what was that project like? Maple Nash actually had, when I started the company, long-term relationship, a great group of guys, very strong concept, also very club-like, little older crowds, it's in the Gold Coast, also a client that was very involved, not as much as these guys, but still very involved, had great ideas, they're very worldly clients who have been traveled the world, have ideas around how things are done in London, how things might be done in Paris. And uh, and what my part in that was is to take all these ideas from these different clients, because many times it's not just one, it's multiple clients in one group, and uh, try to blend that to something that has a little bit of that tradition in it, and also looking forward a little bit to make it current um, for what the, our clientele is asking for these days. Another great restaurant here in Chicago, uh, Monteverde, Italian property, Italian restaurant here in the city, really great food. Uh, talk about that project. Yeah, so uh, one of my favorites, Sarah Grunberg approached us, uh, I think, four or five years ago already by now, for a very different type of project. It's very humble. It's very rustic. It's uh, one of those places you can go once a week. She uh, started her own restaurant business. This was the first time she had done that. It's very difficult working with a chef who has never created a restaurant because so many things they normally have nothing to do with because normally they're cooking. Now they're in the front of house. Now they're counting seats. 
Uh, and there's not that much money with your first project. And there's no investors yet. It all comes out of your own pocket. So it was very challenging but extremely rewarding because we created such a strong personal relationship during that time. And it's like you're creating that together. And you have so much at stake in that that when you get through it, you build a relationship kind of for life. So that's something I'll, I'll treasure forever. Hotel Zachary up in the Wrigleyville neighborhood of Chicago. It is... So, you know, for anyone who's not here or listening to this who is not familiar with that neighborhood, Wrigleyville has always been defined by Wrigley Field, obviously. And the neighborhood has changed quite a bit, somewhat with the arrival of Hotel Zachary, because there used to be McDonald's over there, and it was mostly just kind of parking lot space. And then Hotel Zachary, it feels like, transformed that neighborhood where there's a lot more more dining options, but suddenly it kind of feels like there's a whole insular neighborhood just in that one you know, large block where Wrigley Field and Hotel Zachary is. Talk about that project because that, I think, had a big impact on that neighborhood. Yeah, so um, Queen Kenny, who runs the commercial site over there, um, developed this entire area with, in mind, exactly what you're saying, bringing it past baseball, making it a new neighborhood, both for tourists to enjoy as well as for locals. So when we were asked, we had worked with the Cubs before on things within the ballpark, And then when Crane asked us to get involved with the hotel, that was the hardest demand there. How can you create a space that works during game day with hundreds and thousands of Cubs fans there? And how can that same space work on a Monday morning for the people in the neighborhood, as well as for the guests of the hotel? So that was a a tricky quest in the beginning. But we had a lot of help from many different people who know that area really well. We worked with Zachary, Zach's family. Zach is actually the architect of the ballpark. That's what the hotel is named after. And uh, some of his family is still alive. And we worked with them all the way through. We got in the archives. They brought us photo albums. They helped us to get to know who Zach was as an architect and as a person so that we could create the entire lobby in his liking. When you're looking at these properties, when you're working on these properties, what goes into a really strong customer experience in hospitality, whether it's a restaurant or a hotel? How are you designing with the customer in mind? Oh, there's so many things. Uh, the most important thing is the floor plan. It's like our foundation of the experience. It drives where people go, how they get there. So floor plan and kind of crafting that is something that someone later on never realizes, but is really the core of everything. A lot of times, obviously it's all dependent on the project, but a lot of times we try to create different areas for different moments. So you might come three times to the exact same property, but three times you have a very different uh, experience. One night might be for date night and it's a quiet corner somewhere. Some night you might come with your big group of friends right after work and maybe you're surrounded right around the bar. So there's these very different areas um, that create different experiences. We also play with lighting a lot. Uh, lighting can create a lot of energy. It can lower the energy. The height of tables is also a, a really big discussion point. Uh, having a lot of high tops around the bar works for many reasons, but then there's also some public that doesn't like that to all be that high. So I think those are kind of our tools. We use the floor plan itself to create traffic flow. We use lighting to direct energy, and then we use the height of table to uh, determine what level of energy people will create. These are all elements that I guarantee people don't think about 
when they check into a hotel or they go to a restaurant, they're not thinking about like the fact that the table is this high off the ground and the fact that the lighting is at just a certain tint. What do people get wrong or what else don't they know about the design component that goes into the kind of work that you do? I think when things tend to go wrong is when designers only design with their eyes. If it's a visual attempt only, I think it's very risky. It can make a great impression in a magazine. It can make a great impression the first time you're there, but it doesn't guarantee them coming back. So if it only looks good, but it doesn't feel good, I think there's a chance of losing longevity. It's kind of how it goes with people. We can't just only look good. We (laughs) try to always feel good. Um, So I think I related a lot like that. There needs to be layers. There needs to be reason for discovery. If you see and know everything the first time you go there, that might fall flat later on. So I think that's where sometimes the risk is. I think the opportunities lay with always keeping the guests in mind as well as the people that work there, but that gets even deeper into this. Because you can't design a restaurant that only looks and feels good, but that doesn't operate well because it will go out of business. Well, and that's true. So along those same lines, let's just talk a little bit about when you're designing, like you mentioned, for the staff, for the you know, the people who are on the on the floor, who are behind the scenes, again, hospitality, hotel, restaurant. You know, so we've got the customer side of mind, and then how do you balance that with the needs of everybody who's going to be making that experience come to life? Yeah, what I've learned is put that first. I think beginning designers, as myself, 20 years ago, I was so concerned what everything looked like and how I wanted it. And then later on, when all the demands came for operations, they all felt just like handicaps to me and things that I had to work around. I've learned over time that if you start with that operational component, and by now we kind of know a lot of those things by heart. Everyone does it a little different, but there are some big similarities. Is that when you start there and you use it to your advantage, you can actually weave it into design and it can actually come to the front of the house and look. It can add to the look of a restaurant. Like here at Belmore, you see all the glassware in the middle of the room. It's needed. The waitstaff needs that glassware. There's no other space for it, but it creates a beautiful sparkle in the room. So I've learned to make a handicap into an advantage by using the operational demands from day one. How do you see hospitality, you know, as an industry adapting and evolving on either the back-end industry side or the consumer side, you know, again, in, in hotels, restaurants, any of these things? I don't know a whole lot about the future. I kind of tend to stay in the now. But what I've noticed currently with a lot of my clients is that the boundaries between separate markets are fading. So what used to be corporate design or hospitality design or residential design, all these things are blending more and more. So where people work is where they also want to have a cup of coffee. Where they live, they also want to have a restaurant downstairs. So I think the lines that we have or had in our heads between those industries are fading and blending. And I think, as you've probably heard, a lot of people talking about third space. Most of the spaces that we work on are a combination of different type of spaces. So I think the quicker we lose those made-up separations in our mind and the more we just focus on creating spaces that are comfortable for people to behave in and for people then to be determining a little bit of what they're going to do in the space, 
that can be very different at different moments, could be different for different groups of people, and us to create a template for that, I think those will be the more successful spaces in the future. Final question here, because I really appreciate the time. What advice would you give for you know any aspiring hospitality professionals, aspiring design professionals, anyone who's looking to you know get into this space and do something innovative in their own? My advice is go do it. Don't wait for anything. You can do it. Make as many connections as you can. Learn from everyone around you, and those are not only your teachers or your superiors in, in your job, but those are also your clients. Those are your friends that might be in another industry and keep listening to what your client is really after because a lot of it might be helped by design, but the end goal is never design. The end goal most of the time is a better restaurant or a better hotel so that they have a larger financial success. So being part of the entire mix and not making design the main and only focus, um, I think will make it easier to be successful. That's great. Appreciate the time. Karen Harold from Studio K Creative. The website is just studiokcreative.com, correct? Absolutely. Great. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank I appreciate you. it. This has been a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more at keylearningspodcast.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.